Hey there, and welcome to Surrounded by Witnesses. I'm your host, Marcy Hess. In each episode, it is my desire to make you aware of the witnesses all around us who are running their race with perseverance, eyes fixed on Jesus, and all the while pointing to the greatness of God and His redemptive power in their everyday lives. Do you have what it takes to run the race with endurance? Join us as we talk about how God gives us strength each day to endure and find hope in the everyday. Thanks so much for being here today. I'm super excited you're here. And I have a special guest with me, Michelle Walsh. It's going to be a great day. We're going to talk about adoption, all the questions you might want to know, things you can be thinking of, and how to support your friends um, as they go through adoption and what that might look like. So I'm super excited to have her here today. Michelle is the twin to my best friend. And I have jokingly said that um, I I just get a little piece of that best friend because I know (laughs) you two are best friends. But um, love our Melissa that we have in common. So Michelle and I don't live in the same state, so we don't really get to connect very often, but I've loved the years that we've gotten to spend some time together, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. So Michelle, thanks for being with me today. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I'm super excited about all these questions I have and, and things I've always wanted to ask and maybe never had an opportunity or whatever that looks like, and I'm excited to hear the words of wisdom you have after having gone through this. <laughs> um, tell me uh, just a little bit about yourself so people can get to know you a little bit. Okay. Well, um, I am a mom to five kids and my husband is a pastor at a church. We live in Yulee, Florida, which is right outside Amelia Island. So um, we get uh, the benefit of being near a beautiful place. We go to the beach all the time and walk and run and have, it's a wonderful place to live. And um, I was a stay-at-home mom for 17 years and just the past two years started teaching very part-time a couple of Spanish classes at a local private school. And um, yeah, so that's pretty much me. <laughs> I Mom, motherhood is like the joy, the delight of my heart. And so I don't, I try not to let anything get in the way of, of my motherhood because I don't think I, I multitask very well. So mm-hmm. I can't do a lot other than that. So <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of lame in that way. But, um, but yeah, it's been a joy to raise my kids. And I still feel like I'm learning every day because my oldest is in college and my youngest is eight. So um, I know a lot of moms know that big gap. You're just constant. Things are constantly changing. You're having to learn. So um, it's just a joy to walk through life with them and to disciple my children. And, you know, it's a challenge, but um, it's a privilege at the same time. So (laughs) I love that. That's so good. And tell us the age of your kids. So my oldest is in college. He just turned 20. And then I have um, a 17 year old. She's a senior. And then I have a ninth grader, a sixth grader and a second grader. Awesome. And then of those kiddos, which ones are adopted? So my, my youngest two are adopted. So when my oldest was probably about the age of 10 is when we started, maybe, maybe a little younger, we started the adoption process the first time. And then four years later, we adopted a second time as well. So, um, so yeah, so they spent a majority of their uh, life dealing with, you know, the uh, challenges and joys that come along with um, adding children to the family at a slightly older age. I know lots of siblings add babies to the family, but it was a little bit different bringing two-year-olds into the home, um, Mm. you know, at that time. So, yeah. I could see, I would think that would be the case too. Well, we'll get to that and we'll kind of talk about some of that, but first just share with me, what inspired you to start the adoption process? Well, you know, um, we'd always been kind of drawn to it because we 
we trust the word of God. And one of the passages that always hit us was at the end of James, where it says, um, you know, true and unbridled religion is looking out for widows and orphans in their affliction. And of course, being unstained by the world. So we always had kind of a heart to, um, to help children. So we, you know, uh, sponsor children through compassion. And one day I was at all things at a youth conference and I felt like, um, our, the youth leader, a guy by the name of David Platt. I don't know if anyone mm -hmm. knows that name, but he's pretty a big author in um, the evangelical circles. Um, he actually was supposed to be there um, speaking, but he was recorded because they were in Russia adopting their young one. And as he's talking, like my heart was being stirred and I'm like thinking, and at this point, my um, youngest of my oldest three was, um, I mean, he was still like maybe one years old. He was little. And, but I felt like this longing in my heart and I, but I kind of was squashing. I'm like, this is, I can't do this. Like I've got three kids under the age of six and I just can't even, you know, begin this process. But um, that was a Saturday. And then Sunday when I went to church, I was just sitting in church and this elderly gentleman, like a man I admire so much, just came up to me and handed me a note and walked away. And I looked at the note and the note said, doesn't your heart yearn for another child? And that's all it said. It was like this weird handwriting. And I just looked at the note and I was like, well, that's weird. And so after, and I actually just started crying because it was just exactly what I had felt the day before. And so um, I asked him after church, I said, why did you give this note to me? And he said, God told me to give this to you, Michelle. So I had that, I still have that note in my Bible to this day. And so I was like, what do I do with this? I don't know. So that night I was like, talking to him, I said, honey, I need to talk to you about something. And I showed him a note and he said, well, what does that mean? So I kind of explained to it. And he looked at me, he, he paused for a minute. He said, let's do it. God's calling us to do this. Let's, let's adopt. So I was like, okay. So that was kind of how the process started. And we feel like it was God, like really just speaking into our life through this, this man who had no idea what I had yeah. been feeling just the day before, no idea that we even, you know, had talked about it here or there. And so that's just what prompted us to start on this journey. <laughs> that's amazing. And so Dan was definitely on board from the beginning. Did he, did he, had, had he thought before maybe there was a chance? Did you, did you just you say know, you guys just had and talked about it a lot? And I think it's because we were just, I mean, we had three kids under the age of six, we were doing ministry and we were trying to just figure out life as it was, but we had said, you know, yeah, maybe. And I, I will say this, like, I wasn't a very good pregnant person. I just was sick the whole time. <laughs> so my husband wanted more kids and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know if I can do this, but, um, but anyway, he was, he actually, I feel like, especially the second time around when we adopted a second time, he was absolutely he was like, yes, this is what we need to do. It's what God's calling us to do. And yes, it's hard and yes, it's expensive, but God's going to provide. And it, it would be, it's funny. I feel like God balances you out because in my moments of doubt, he would come out with just these words of faith and strength. And then he would be like, then he, we would alternate sometimes. So we just kind of, it's like God knew we needed to bolster each other through the mm -hmm. process because um, it was in the beginning a very, we started the adoption process when our son was starting to be like six, seven years old. And it wasn't finished for another three years, three and a half oh years because of the, the, just the process with China, it ended up being really interesting. So, um, so it was a very long process the first time around. So, um, but God used those three years to teach us, to grow us, to make our kids a little bit older, to deal with the challenges and, and stuff. So um, yeah, I mean, God just knew he just worked out those details in a beautiful way. Looking back, we can see it even more clearly. Yeah. So what, so what did your three kids think about it when you came in and said, Hey, guess what? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they were, 
were all they were all for it. They're they're very compassionate um, children. And um, what's interesting is the first time around, um, you know, we asked them, but we really they were young, so I don't think they really understood much. But they were like, "Yeah, new brother sister, sure, that sounds great." It was the second time around when they were older and they had experienced the challenges mm. of having a two-year-old brought into our home and the doctor's appointments and the the emotional trauma that we were dealing with. It was that time that we really set them down because we knew, okay, now you know the hard, the hard and the good. So we we told we set them down and we said, if if you guys don't want us to do this, we won't, because we knew it affected them. It affected them greatly. And even then, um, and and at that point, we were, it was in the process of adopting special needs, which adds a whole new le- level of everything, mm-hmm. um, because there's this, the financial sacrifice of dealing with the medical, you know, things plus the time that Mama has to take to deal with doctor's appointments. And they were all, they were all three. They were like, let's do it. So I think because of their. Um, just being brought up in the scriptures, they understood the need for compassion and um, and the need that a little girl or boy needed a home someplace. So they were pretty they were pretty good about it. I will say, we have mentioned it the past two years, and our oldest two give us that look like, really, really. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it would be interesting if it happened again. What now that they're older and they've seen even more of the challenges and the joys um, to see what they say now. So, so yeah. we were all pretty much on board um, both times from the beginning, but we really got their input the second time around because they were old enough to understand the ramifications of all that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So what made you guys choose China? I mean, I would imagine it would be far easier to adopt here, even special needs, you know, something closer to home. What, what sparked your heart there? You know, I, it, again, I think it was a God thing. We, um, we had thought about adopting here locally, which is a great, a huge need these days, actually. Um, but I selfishly had heard stories about, um, you know, adoptions taking places and then parents coming back to reclaim the children. And so I just selfishly in the beginning, and I, I hate to be so honest, but I'm, I, I, part of my reasoning was if we go to another country, there's no way that anyone can take this baby from us. So that was part of it. But the second part was just wanting to bring a child, a child into a Christian home from, you know, a very secular nation. Um, and so that was part of it too. And we both were in agreement from the very beginning um, with our first adoption that China was the place. And then we just kind of wanted to continue. Um, we wanted our then youngest to have another sibling that could relate mm-hmm. to her as far as her ethnicity and um, the traditions of her country. So we just pursued it a second time as well just to kind of keep, you know, to, to give Maylee a little, that's our second youngest, to give Maylee just an opportunity to, to have a sibling that looked like her and was like yeah. her in many ways. Yeah. I love that. That's so great. It, I do love how God just spurs your heart and you kind of don't even know where yeah. a thought originates, where you're just like, it's yes. just a God thing. It, it really, it really was. And um, it, yeah, I can't explain it. Cause you know, when I, first heard the whole concept of adoption from David Platt, it was Russia, but I just didn't even ever look that way. And we, we also, I will say, we also looked at um, the qualifications because um, in some countries you have to have a certain income. Um, you, there are certain stipulations you have to meet in order to adopt. So that was part of it too, was looking, cause I didn't work at the time. So we also had to look at things like that, like the logistical mm-hmm. things as well. So, um, so that was part of the process as well. 
Oh, so beautiful. That's great. Well, this is kind of my own thinking. And I, I try to think through this from, from an outsider perspective. And I'm just wondering, were there things that people said to you in those early days? I mean, it could be even after <laughs> the girls were here, but that really encouraged you or discouraged you? You know, there were a few people who I felt at the time um, were very discouraging. But looking back, I realized that they were very honest because the people that to me were the most discouraging were the ones who had been down the road of adoption themselves. And so what I took as discouragement to me, them being negative was not negativity. It was honesty. Mm. So I remember talking to my neighbor at the time and she was older and she had an adopted son who was older as well. And also by, it was a biracial kind of thing. So it was different ethnicity. And I remember talking to her just being so giddy with joy. And she just looked at me and burst my bubble. She's like, I wouldn't do it if I were you. I was like, what? And she's like, it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. I, I just wouldn't do it if I were you. And she just was so negative and it just took me back. It took me back for a minute and I was just, just so discouraged. But then I, afterwards, I realized what she was doing. She was just being very honest with me mm -hmm. about the trials. And when I, we were in China, we were actually, we, we had gotten our little one and I was, uh, there was a mom that was sitting right next to me and this was their second adoption. So anytime you like, oh, you've come back for more. So it can't be that bad. And I asked her, I said, <laughs> So, so this was like two days into our adoption journey in, in China. And I said, so, so tell me, you know, what, what has been your experience? And she looked at me with this like very dead face. She's like, do you want the truth? And I was like, well, maybe, I don't know. May I, <laughs> yes. And she said, it's the hardest thing we've ever done, but it's the best thing we've ever done. And if anyone tells you anything different, they're not telling you the truth because most of the time it's a very hard journey. And again, that kind of deflated me. Here I am with this new little one going, oh my gosh. But looking back, I see that they were just being honest with me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And we had people though, we did have people who were like, oh, this is so exciting and wonderful, you know, but in their, not, they just, <laughs> they didn't get it. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. So now I try to, we just had a couple over probably two months ago. They have three kids like us and they are wanting to adopt. And so I just looked at them and I said, I want, you to know, this is the best thing you'll ever do, but it's hard. And you have to be prepared for the hard because if you're not being prepared for the hard, it'll knock your feet out from under you. And then it just, it will just create so much turmoil. Cause you're thinking, what am I doing wrong? You're not mm -hmm. doing anything wrong. It's just a hard road. It can be a hard road. And, um, and so you just have to be prepared for that. So I, I think it, you know, we, there's always the naysayers. Um, but looking back at those particular ones who had been through the journey, I don't think they were being naysayers. I just think they were being honest. And, um, and, you know, I just thought looking back, I appreciate it now, even though I didn't yeah. appreciate it then. Yeah. Yeah. I could see how that would be difficult because you do want, you just want good encouragement. Along the way. Yes. Cuff me yes. up, build me up. I want to, but it's, I yeah. would, I would imagine that you know, especially now for you guys to be able to instill that into other people, just to be able to frame that and, and help them through those hard times. And um, yeah, that's so and good. I will say this most in our first adoption, we had to go through a series of a little bit of training um, and it was okay. But our second adoption, which of course was five years later, I don't know if there's just was a shift in the whole adoptive process in America as a whole, but even so we had to have a, an agency here in America that did our home studies and we had to, to sit through classes that were very informative. And the first time around, we didn't get that. The second time around, and of course we had more experience under our belt. As I'm listening to these classes, I'm like, this is so good for parents to hear because it was helping you just understand the emotional trauma that could be there, even with a newborn, if, if they, if they're 
you know, being placed out of adoption because of drug use or, um, you know, they weren't cared for even in the womb, there can be um, issues, emotional issues and cognitive issues. So it was very informative for me the second time around going through all these classes. And that to some could say that could be discouraging. But to me, it was like, yes, I want to know everything. I just mm-hmm. want to be prepared for the worst. So I can, you know, be and it was they prepare you for the worst. And it's never really that bad. Um, in, in our experience, but it helps you know, okay, we've got to be prepared for some hard things that might come our way. If that makes That's sense. So good. I, I think there is an, an ideal that I, I think of when I think of adoption. I do think you're this child is going to be so thankful they're in your home and they're going to be so grateful for loving parents and hugs and snuggles and food. And and it, it does seem idealistic in my mind. So if I were to go to one of those, I think I would be blown away like, oh, okay, I thought it would be hard, but I thought it would be like normal hard, normal two year old, yeah. normal three year old, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the hard part is like, you know, when you adopt an infant that you, you really are working with a clean slate on, on many levels. But when you, a lot of um, like in China, for example, um, you cannot adopt some, a baby under the age of three months old because, um, they have to put a, a notice in the newspaper and it's illegal if you do that to, to put it shortly but many adoptions these days are older children and that that comes with just baggage emotional baggage and emotional trauma and so when we were in china um we had people in our group and the little girls would not even look at the mom like wouldn't touch them wouldn't let them uh, put their shoes on wouldn't let them sit by him the dad had to do all the work because they were grieving the loss of their caretakers mm-hmm. which was a woman and here's another woman and and in our situation it was a little different that my girls gravitated toward me and didn't really want dan to hold them at first and was scared of dan because they had been in the presence of female caregivers so here's this big large man wanting to snuggle him and they're like i don't think so so for the first week that we were in China, I had to, I was exhausted because I had to hold them and change them and everything. I was like, oh my gosh, this is exhausting. And with time, the healing comes and the, the familiarity comes, but there's challenges like that, that if you're not prepared for it, it hurts your feelings almost like, wait, I traveled all this way and you don't even want to look at me. I can't even hold you. Mm-hmm. So you have to realize that you're there, um, not for yourself, but for them. And you have to let it be their timetable. And you know, that's, those classes help you real, help you. You don't experience it, but you have it there and when it happens you're like okay I can't take this personally this is part of the Mm. the the process of you know just adapting to each other and bonding and it's going to be okay you know so um it was those were those were really informative I would say anyone that wants to adopt don't bow out of the classes don't take it lightly like really delve into the classes and really research the issues so again if you prepare for the worst then you know okay I've got this and so Mm -hmm. you're ready not that anything prepares you for real experience but it still is you know kind of helpful so yeah, yeah. wow that's so good I, it seems like such a self-sacrificing gift to these kids that I I'm just like man I might be too selfish to even consider <laughs> I don't know well, I don't know if I can no you know what God teaches you so much through them and you sometimes there is that thing I'm going to come in there and, and whisk a child out of poverty and rescue them where in fact your heart is rescued because mm. it's such a spiritual principle and I think that was one of your questions like yeah. God has shown us so much about who he is as a father to love us when we reject him to love us when we are a mess and when we are a wreck and he loves us regardless. And it's such a spiritual principle to, to love in that way. And to Mm -hmm. see that being carried out and even to see my own three children love when, you know, 
they don't want them to be loved. It's funny, our second one used to call my oldest son, mama. So for about a week when she got home, she called our oldest son who was, who was maybe 13 at the 14 at the time, she would call him mama. And it was, he was like, mom, why is she calling me mama? I'm like, I don't know, just go with it. I'm like, just hold her. So she, he could hold her and feed her her bottle. Um, cause she was still on the bottle at the age of two. Cause that's how they did it. But then our youngest daughter, Maylee, who was longing to hold her little sister, she didn't want anything to do with her. And she was like, no, like she didn't want to touch her. She didn't want her to feed her. She didn't want to change her. So it was just funny how it's just was opposite of what we thought. We thought she would gravitate to the one who looked like her. Like here's another Asian girl in our house. Like she's like you didn't want anything to do with her. And yet mm. she gravitated toward a 14 year old boy and called him mama. It was just the weirdest thing. You're like, that's so weird. So I don't know. <laughs> God surprises us. <laughs> I love that. Well, it, you're right. It does perfectly go into the next question I had. Just how do you feel like it's affected your spirituality? And you kind of gave one instance there. And, and that's kind of the one I thought it would. But but tell me about that. And and points where you felt like God was so near during this, this journey you guys have been on. Yeah. You know, um, I, I will say that um, with our second adoption, when we had uh, agreed to adopt, we were on vacation and we all were filling this tub. We talked to our kids and when we got home. I, um, the day we got home, I was like, what are we thinking? This is ridiculous because it is expensive. And I immediately, I, I looked at my husband, I said, I'm going for a walk. We can't do this again. And I just walked out the door and I put a sermon on and um, the sermon started out with Psalms 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. So the, 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 the pastor read that, that passage. And then he said, you know, I want to talk to you today because I just got home from adopting our little girl and God used this. And then he goes on to this huge sermon about this adoption and this verse. And I just, again, I'm, I'm walking, I'm crying. And it's like, God whispered to my heart that day, like, I am your refuge. I am your strength. I will be this new baby's refuge. I will be this new baby's strength. I will be a help in time of trouble. And he has been. So I say that because it set the stage for everything that comes after it. Our second um, adoption, she had a cleft lip and palate um, that had not been repaired. So there was so much fear that came with that because, I mean, it was hard to look at. She had a huge hole in her mouth and her nose was deformed. So I was scared. Like, would I love her? the same as everyone because she had this obvious deformity and you know from day two I was kissing her on the lips I was I was feeding her I mean it just didn't even matter and then I would think what 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 will other will people be mean to her and my my children were like mom it doesn't matter if they're mean to her we'll love her we'll take care of her it's okay and then you have the fear of every doctor visit like she barely knows me and I'm taking her to all these doctors who are poking and prodding her and who are doing this major surgery on her and she's waking up confused and so I was scared like is this going to create an issue with our bonding because I'm seemingly hurting her, but I'm helping her because she's right. having to endure this pain. But through every single one of those processes, and we're still dealing with medical stuff, we'll, we'll have major surgery probably this summer. And um, she just had teeth extracted. Like we just still have a whole bunch of ways to go. But it's been in those hard times that God has been our refuge mm. and he has been our strength. And he um, he's had ladies in our church who I had a lady do my laundry for weeks at a time. And I had ladies who said, we're going to bring you dinner every day for the next week and a half while she's in surgery, you know, while she's recovering. And so I just feel like God was our refuge through the body of Christ. He was the refuge through our family, through our doctors who were just so 
uh, gracious and loving her despite her fear, despite the fact that we had no medical history. They're like, what can you tell us about her? I'm like, I, we don't know a thing about her. And they're like, all right, we'll just go with it. So God was our refuge and our strength and an ever-present help in trouble in every single situation that we found ourselves in within the last you know, three years dealing with the medical issues. And it's just been a reminder that God cares about Mm-hmm. the little things and the big things, you know, and he cares about the heart of our, our biological children. Cause he's helped them deal with some issues that has come up. He's helped us deal with our second, our first adoption. You know, when we adopted the second time, it brought a whole slew of thoughts in her mind, like, mm-hmm. well, why did my mom give me up? And just being able to love her through her fears, it's just all the way around. God has been that refuge for us. So I just feel like he's holding us in the palm of his hand through it all. And we can see it. Like, it's not just, I feel it's, we feel it, but we see it in the tangible way that God has provided for us all along, you know? That is so beautiful. I love that. I almost feel like you are blessed with an opportunity that most of us will never have just to trust mm-hmm. the Lord through such an, an intense um, situation. I, I love that. I love that. And well, I guess, and go ahead. Let <clears throat> me say one other thing too. One of the biggest things that not objections, but fears that people come to us for when they adopt. Adopting in the United States is not, it can be expensive if you go the private route, but fostering through, uh, going, adopting through the foster care system is not that pricey. But one of the things that people often talk to us about is the cost of adoption, especially internationally, because it's about $32,000 for mm. one adoption. Wow. And so, and that's huge. And it, you don't have to pay it all at once, but over, you know, the, for the first time around, it was, you know, it was funny the first time around we applied for all these grants and we didn't get a single grant. I was a stay at home mom. My husband's a minister. We're hardly making anything. And it, I was, baffled. I was like, God, why are you not helping us in this endeavor? But you know what? Over the three years, my husband ended up getting another job. We sold our house and we had the money because we sold our house and God provided the money just over time. He provided it. And in my mind, I thought he was going to provide through these grants and through these scholarship opportunities that we were applying for. We were rejected for every single one of them. And I, and it just, it almost hurt me that God wasn't providing this way, Mm. but in the end, our house sold, we had the money and it worked. Second adoption. I'm like, Oh no, what are we going to do? We applied for grants and we got every single one of them that we got some, we didn't even apply for. We had, we had (laughs) someone stick um, money in our mailbox with a note just randomly and just said, I'm so excited for what you guys are doing. So we had people just give us money and we didn't even, they were anonymous. We had no idea who it was. And we're like, who is this? I don't know. We had a garage sale and we had people from our neighborhood just say, Hey, we want to donate this for you to sell on your garage sale. And you just keep all the, the proceeds. And we'd have people come and spend $3 and say, here, here's a 50, keep the change. And you're like, God, your provision is so amazing. And what's amazing that we saw that, but when we were in China, each time you could tell that when you talk to other people who are in our group, they all had similar stories. Like they all had the stories of God's provision financially. And that's, you know, people worry about the emotional and how it'll affect the family, but a huge logistical factor is the cost. Cause they're like, there's no way we can come up with this money, but God, but God, that's all I got to say, but God provided. I mean, we didn't go in debt. We don't, we don't, we didn't owe anything like God provided. So let's say $60,000 both, you know, if you include both of them and he provided every single step of the way. And we are, and we, we made sacrifices. We didn't go on vacation. I mean, we, I'm not saying we lived, you know, frivolously and said, God provide. We 
we really did make sure we were wise with what we did and we, we did garage sales and I, I worked extra hours, you know, in a certain group doing some stuff to make money, but he provided. And so I feel like that's another way that God just showed I am in this and my heart is for you to do this for these children and I will take care of you. So if there's people listening and you think the, the cost is too insurmountable, if you just, just, first of all, that's where the church can come in. Cause you just let, let it be known, Hey, we're adopting and this is what we're doing. And if you want to help, we would love your help. And, you know, we had some people that didn't help and we had other people that totally helped all like, just, it was amazing. So I was so blessed and grateful just to see how God provided even in that regard as well, yeah. if that makes sense. I love that. That is so good. Well, and it leads just to my next question is how do we as the church, I know you've, you've talked about a couple of things that did uh, that people did for you and what that looks like and obviously helping fund those things. But I just, I, I often wonder if the things I say or do are hurtful. And I just want to minister to those people who, who are going this route. If it wasn't the route that God has called us to, I definitely want to support those who God has called that. And so I'm, I'm just wondering how can we, how can we help those? How can we support those adoptive families, either at the beginning or three years into the process or, you know, babies are home and things are difficult. What does that look like? Yeah, well, um, you know, I do feel like that's a great question. And I've already given some examples of mm -hmm. someone doing my laundry and bringing me meals and uh, providing financially. But I would say one of the biggest things is just to offer emotional support. Um, we homeschooled up until we adopted. And so I brought a two-year-old into our home and I was still homeschooling my children and it just wasn't working because she demanded so much of my attention. She was two. She did not know how to sit still at all. She, we just had medical things we were going to, and I'm trying to homeschool my kids and I'm trying to deal with her. And I, I would just, she was everywhere and not in a bad way. She was just two. She didn't right. understand the language. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So I remember, um, at that point, I told my husband, I said, I need to put the kids in school for a year because I have to deal with this little one that God's given us. And I remember there were families who criticized me for that. And they were like, I'm going to pray against that. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I was so sad. I mean, I, it hurt me in a way because I, they, I, I think they just didn't see what was going on in my home. And even now I have a friend and they adopted here from America from birth, but this child has, um, some pretty good emotional issues from being a drug baby. And she homeschools all her children, except for this one kid she puts in school because she has oppositional defiance disorder. And it, it just made it impossible at the house. Like she would, like when I put, decided to put my kids in school, I would go into my closet and I would cry because I was so overwhelmed and it was, it was just hard. And it wasn't just the baby. It was everything, you know, it was being mm -hmm. a mom and a wife and everything. So I did, I, I evaluated our family and I said, I'm going to do what I feel like is best for our family right now. I'm going to put my kids in school. I'm going to focus on this little one for a year. So I know my kids are getting what they need and this one's getting what they need. And it was the best, it was the best decision that I made for our family. And I, I second guess myself a lot, but looking back, I'm like, it's what God knew we needed. And I wish those other mamas who had been critical of that would have come and said, how can we help you? We're going to pray for you. Instead of saying, mm -hmm. I'm going to pray against what you're doing to just say, I'm going to pray that God will bless whatever decision you think is the right decision that God will just, will just take that and bless it. You know what I mean? So even now my one friend, she gets criticism from people. She's like, you're homeschooling all your kids, but that one kid, but I know she talks to me a lot and I know the the hardship that is created and yeah. that it's like a little breath of fresh air to have that kid be in school and be provided for. And she gets the special attention she needs. So I, all that to say is I think if, if, if the church can just recognize, you don't know what goes inside the house, you, 
you don't know the hardships that is behind closed doors and you don't know the medical issues. You don't know the emotional issues. You don't know those things. So just be supportive and just say, mm-hmm. whatever they, they decide to do, just pray for them in that. And just say, I'm going to pray that God will give you peace and wisdom and will bring healing and wholeness to your family through this decision. Because I, I just felt like that was a blow to my mm-hmm. mothering to have people comment, stuff like that. And then since I've had mamas who've been very supportive, especially the moms who've adopted themselves. They're like, you are doing the right thing. <laughs> so you've got to do what works for your whole family because it is the whole family. I, I'm caring for my, for all of them, you know, it's just all these things. So, um, so anyway, I just feel like emotionally supporting the adoptive parents and a lot of people with us in the beginning were like, oh, we'll babysit. Well, the second one we adopted hated everyone for, she still <laughs> hates everyone. She wouldn't go to anyone. In fact, she, whenever she went to the nursery for the first two years, one of my older children had to go with her because she was terrified. She didn't even walk down the hallway by herself. So people couldn't help us in that way. I'm like, you can't babysit her. Like she will, she will be terrified, but they, they helped in other ways. And then that mm-hmm. emotional support from some of my friends um, was certainly appreciative. You know, when I would share my heart and say, I can't do this. They'd be like, well, you're doing the right thing. You know? So just that, not being so quick to jump to conclusions, I guess, sure. that you, you know, so, which you should really do that with any family, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, especially, I don't know if that makes sense, but I know it's thinking, beautiful. So now even with my friend, who's got her one kid in school and the rest, she's homeschooling, I just support her. And I'm like, how can I pray for you? What can I do to help you and to help you through this? Because, you know, if you're falling apart as a mama, you're no good to your family. So you have to do what works for everybody. Yeah. I love that. Well, so just talking about challenges and, and things like that, was it more difficult with interracial? Is that a difficult thing? You know, for us, it really wasn't. I mean, you you do have some people that make, um, I'm going to say innocent comments, but hurtful comments. So mm. they're like, oh, I'm so thankful that you chose to adopt them. And are you going to educate them? And I'm like, well, yeah, they're, they're my kid. And, and, or they ask questions that you're just like, that's just not appropriate to ask in front of this little mm. one standing right next to me. So, um, so it, it can, because it's inconspicuous, meaning because it's obvious that yeah. they're a different race than I am. Sometimes it prompts those questions that really should be asked in private and not right in front of the, the kids. Um, so that is only, that's really the only challenge that I think I found. Most people are very um, supportive. I'm going to say this and I hope you can edit this if you want. I once read a post from an adoptive dad who said, you know, it's kind of like um, if your wife, if someone has a boob job, you're not going to go up to them and say, can I feel it? Can I touch it? Are they yours? How much did it cost? You're not going to say that. And he compared the two. I I laughed so hard because it's true. When my little one is standing next to me, don't say, well, um, how much did it cost? Don't say like, are you going to educate them? Don't say that when they're standing right beside me. Like, it's just, there's right. some things you just, so it's just kind of educating people as well, you know? So anyway, I just, that, that is a analogy. Was, analogy. It was a, such a perfect analogy to me. I was like, I've never forgotten it. And I'm like, that is just perfect. I just love it. So, um, you know, and there are very few and far between people that, that make those kind of comments, but it's surprising how just one comment can affect the one standing the little one standing next yeah. to you and they'll come back and say it and you'll be like, okay, no. So you walk them through it and you teach them through it and you, you, you use it as a moment to just give grace and to show grace. And that's, you know, just all part of the process. So, um, yes. so I, I, I think I, I've had friends who have adopted interracially and sometimes like, even if they've adopted like an African-American dealing with just hair care can be a little issue. Cause they're like, I don't know how to deal with hair care. So they call a friend and the friend helps. So sometimes I think it brings people together 
mm-hmm. we have a friend that lives in a neighborhood. She's from China. So we do Chinese New Year with her. Um, we didn't this, I don't know if we'll do it this year because of COVID, but every year we've gone to her house and we've done Chinese New Year and she's Chinese. She goes to China all the time and she loves my girls and she's teach, she's taught us how to make dumplings and um, she gives them red envelopes and she, ta- she teaches them, you know, the ethnic food that I can't do. And so that's been a beautiful bridge to another culture that my children have gotten to enjoy. And so that's been a positive, you know, it's been, I would never have celebrated Chinese New Year if not for this. So um, we try to do it every year and it's been a great experience for my girls as well, you know, so it's a good thing. It's good. Yeah. God teaches us through all those things. That's so beautiful. That is so beautiful. Well, so you've kind of thrown out a few things, but if you could just give the bullet points of what, what are those words of wisdom you could share with someone who's considering adoption or maybe someone who's in that early stages of getting paperwork together, or even, um, you know, just got these kiddos home and, and now what, (laughs) what would you say? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I would say just pursue Christ first and foremost, um, because he really is the strength that gets you through the good days and the hard days and the um, the unknowns um, when you're um, applying to adopt. Now, of course, our our experience is just internationally. You have long waiting periods where you don't hear anything. And then you have periods where, um, you know things just get all in shambles. Like now we know families in the adoptive process and with COVID everything has come to a halt mm-hmm. and your heart is broken because you know, your little one is over there somewhere and you can't get to them and you can't, you can't rescue them from their impoverished situation or from whatever situation they might be in. So that's hard. We've had friends who've been in the stalled process of adoption for two years. Mm-hmm. And with us, it took three years in the beginning. So, um, so that, that can be hard. So you have to just rely, you just have to know that God is in control and God loves your kids more than you do. Mm -hmm. And so I think just staying in the word and staying in a community of believers who encourages you in that and tuning out those maybe who don't discourage, who who do discourage, you know, but just staying faithful and true to your word, keeping your marriage strong, I think is important in the midst of it, because it does bring some difficulties and challenges, but making sure you make time um, I know with, with our second adoption, she was scared of everything. So I was like, I can't leave her. I can't leave her. And my husband's like, she'll be fine. She will be fine. So I would leave her with our oldest at the time. It was 14. We'd go just for an hour because he called her mama. Anyway, she called him mama anyway, and she was fine. She was fine. In fact, it made her bond with them a little more when I wasn't around. So I would say keeping Christ first and foremost. And then if you feel like God is calling this, I feel like we can always make excuses and talk ourselves out of what God is calling us to do but just, just walk down that path, just start walking. God will like for our three-year adoption, it was three years, but God knew it had to be that long for us to sell our house and get the funds we needed. We would have never thought that when we first started the adoption process, but God knew. And so, you know, just to start on the journey and start on the path to be honest with friends and family and let them know what, you know, what the journey looks like. And, um, and then just, do what God has called you to do, you know, and, and then support others who are on the same journey as well. So, um, obviously do your research as well, because that's important, especially if it's special needs adoption. And we always pray that God would give us the courage to say no and the courage to say yes, because when you're faced with, you know, different needs that might be there because we had to fill out a special needs form. And we had one little girl that was brought to our attention and we felt like it was more than we could handle financially. And with three other kids to take care of or four at the time, we were like, this is, I don't, I think this will be too much for us to handle and for us to give her 
what she needs. Um, and we just had to trust that God was going to provide another family for her who knew exactly what she needed. And we feel like God brought us the little girl that we live in Jacksonville. There's an amazing children's clinic. There's a cleft lip and palate team there. Like who knew? I didn't even know that in the beginning. And then right. God just led me to another lady who said, this cleft lip and palate team is amazing. They're 20 minutes from you. So God knew this little girl will get the care she needs in this city with this family. And so just kind of walking in faith and um, praying and being honest with each other and your spouse and, um, and then just being faithful to complete the process as you can and let God do the rest. So I love that. That's so good. I I've really enjoyed this. I, I feel like you've answered so many of those questions. And, and like you said, you've been so honest about a lot of it and, and that's good. It's so good for all of us to know whether we're considering it or wanting to love those around us who are. So I, I appreciate that. And I just wanted to ask in closing, just how can I be praying for you guys? Hmm. You know, as our kids get older, especially your adopted kids, they do. And as they hit puberty, they wrestle with those questions of why, why was I mm. abandoned? Why? And um, just pointing them to the heart of the gospel through it. So we just ask for wisdom in that. Yeah. Um, I think our whole family will say that having these two little girls in our life has been the best thing ever. Um, they just bring so much joy. And I mean, any kid is challenging, whether you birth them or not, there's challenges and there's unknowns with kids. You know, you can have a kid suddenly develop allergies or Whatever. So we've had some unknowns that have come our way, um, but it's just been such a joy to see them grow in faith and to my youngest one just gave her heart to Jesus a month ago. So we're going through a little discipleship program. So I just want to be a mom that disciples my children, whether they're biological or not, and just love mm -hmm. them and point them to Christ and point them to love others. I'm hoping my children, I mean, I think the beautiful thing is like my, my big kids want to adopt now because they see the beauty of it, even though mm -hmm. they see the heart of it, they see the beauty of it. And I think it says a lot that they're willing to, to do the same thing, you know, so just praying that as a mom, I just have wisdom and dealing with those little issues that come up. And um, I, I've been kind of uh, drawn into the idea of fostering kids down the road because motherhood is such a, a joy and a privilege to me. So I, I'm praying about wrestling with, I, I'm praying about maybe about fostering some kids down the road in the next two years. Um, and just praying if that's a wise thing for our family now, because, you know, you have to have certain space allotment for each kid you foster. So we're looking into that too, but just being Amazing. faithful with where God has us right now. I love that. Well, I will definitely be praying for those things. And I, I love your mama heart. I think that just mm -hmm. touches me to no end. And, and I, I think it's beautiful what you guys have done and your family is amazing and your sweet girls are so well worth it. And you know, uh, they all, are sweet. all three of they them. <laughs> your boys. Yeah, they are sweet. Well, yeah. thank you, Michelle. I really appreciate your time today. And I think this is going to be so helpful for people. So I just really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and, and really being so raw with me. I, I really appreciate that. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thank you for trusting me with this little podcast. <laughs> If you like what you've heard today, please like and subscribe so you will know each time a new episode is released. Thanks for joining us.